السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذريته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد so we continue where we left off yesterday we were talking about the prohibition of looking at the haram and how uh, you know, people generally take that that hukum, that commandment to be in a very particular context. And it definitely does exist in that particular context, but it exists in so much more than that as well. So uh, the author continues, Ibn Abi Zayd, rahimahullah, tabarak wa ta'ala, he says, And this is a, a takhfif and a reassurance from uh, uh, from the Shari alayhi salatu wasalam that uh, if you see something haram uh, by accident or by uh, uh, necessity, a person is walking in the street and they see someone they shouldn't see, or they see something that they shouldn't see, um, the first look is not a sin, as long as it's not done with intention, as long as it's done, um, uh, as long as it's done without intentionality. And this is important to remember that Allah Ta'ala created this, uh, he created this world and it's an imperfect place. And don't let that imperfection get you bent out of shape because it's a, a problem. The first problem that people have to get over is apathy that, uh, you know, nobody cares, halal, haram, dirty, clean. All of it is, uh, uh, all of it is, uh, uh, you know, the same to a dead heart. In fact, a, a really, a really like messed up heart will actually prefer the uh, will prefer the 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 dirty to the clean and the haram to the permissible. And this is part of the secret why nifaq, why uh, um, hypocrisy is worse, the worst of types of kufr, because it involves a type of deviation that can only be achieved with knowledge. Whereas, um, you know. Uh, those people who are uh, described, uh, the people of Kufr that are described in the Quran as an'am, as grazing animals, uh, uh, or even less uh, guided than them. They're just kind of doing what they're doing. They're not necessarily intending to disobey Allah, and they're not necessarily intending to obey Him. They're just doing random stuff, and it's not really all that helpful for them. Uh, so... At any rate, the point is, is this is that the first stage is getting over apathy. And then after that, when, you know, once you're over that, some people slip into this kind of like pigeonhole where <clears throat> they get bent out of shape out over everything in the world that's not right. And, um, you know, you can't solve everything. You're not the one who created the heavens and the earth. You're not the one who... Uh, uh, that you're not the one who, you know, the entire heavens and the earth is dependent on you. And, uh, uh, you know, the heavens and the earth can't do anything without you. And whoever wrongly believes that the heavens and the earth can do something without you, that you have, uh, you know, left the deen and, uh, you know, become from the people of perdition. That's Allah, you know. And uh, uh, that he will never be extinguished, nor will he cease to exist. And nothing occurs or nothing exists in this universe except for because of his irada, because he wants it to exist. And, um, you know, someone might say, well, how can he want sin to exist? Uh, he wants sin to exist because he wants the person committing the sin to be punished for it. Uh, uh, or he wants somebody to be harmed by it, or he wants someone to be, be patient with it, and then that person will be elevated in rank, etc., etc. You know, like the, the brothers of Sayyidina Yusuf, salam, they put Sayyidina Yusuf salam, through so much difficulty, through so much difficulty, and they all made tawbah at the end. So inshallah, they're all from the people of, uh, of Jannah uh, afterward. And so it's not even necessarily because he wants to punish somebody, but he wants something out of it. And uh, uh, if Sayyidina Yusuf Salam, you know, didn't get thrown in the well, then he wouldn't have been sold to slavery into Egypt, and then he wouldn't have been raised in the house of the Aziz, and then he wouldn't have been false accused, and then he wouldn't have been cellmates with the, you know, with the steward of the king, and then he wouldn't have interpreted the king's dream, then he wouldn't have been prime minister, 
and uh, you know, and then he wouldn't have uh, uh, you know fulfilled the dream that he had that Allah said he was going to be fulfilled, and he wouldn't have been able to save the people of Egypt from uh, uh, from starvation, uh, um, you know. And uh, uh, so, like you know, there's so many hikam. There's so so much wisdom mutaratib on on that. So don't walk around. The point is in this the wisdom that we pull from this hukum of. The first look at being free is not what like whatever like bro Islam you know like oh dude you know like first looks free so make sure you take a good look that's not the point. Uh, 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 any part that of the first look that has intentionality is just as haram as any other look. But the point is don't walk around getting bent out of shape. Don't walk around being like oh I hate everybody. Why is um, you know why is this woman dressed this way? Why is this person dressed that way? Why is this thing happening? Why is that thing? Why 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 um, uh, 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 you don't ask why when it comes to Allah. Allah is the one ultimately who chooses why things happen. We're obliged to hate sin. We're not obliged to make sure that the heavens and the earth runs with infallibility. Um, uh, and so the the first look being free is actually a takhfif. It's like a liberation and a manumission and a commuting of your sentence that, uh, you know, just look away and move on with your life. Don't be so consumed and subsumed with how wrong everybody else is that you uh, uh, it impedes you from from knowing what your purpose is and you know what you want to do that's right in the world. If everybody, if everybody in an instant, you know, will will billah Allah protect us. If everybody was to leave the deen except for you, so the big Mulana Saab who's talking shop about Maliki Fik, you see him tomorrow, you know, doing something untoward. And the masajid, you see them filled with idols, and it's all gone. All the Islam is gone. It's just you. Are you going to spend the rest of your life uh, 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 talking about how bogus everybody else is, or are you going to still worship Allah? Are you going to spend the rest of your life hating on everybody else, or are you still going to make your peace with your Lord before you leave? You know. And this is this is this is this is what this is all about. That if you see something that you're not supposed to see, look away, keep moving. Look away and keep moving. ولا حرج في النظر إلى المتجالات ولا في النظر إلى الشعبة لعذر من شهادة عليها وشبهه وقد أرخص في ذلك للخطاب. And so there's a, a couple of uh, more exceptions. So there's no حرج in looking at a uh, like an old woman, a woman who's become so old that there's you know that a person wouldn't desire her anymore. And so someone might say, well, these things are all relative, and they are all relative. You know, like. Uh, uh, you know, some women age very gracefully. Uh, 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 some men age very gracefully as well. Um, uh, and some of us uh, are, are a complete car accident. And there's a wisdom in Allah giving every condition to every person. Uh, um, but uh, uh, you know, the 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 the, the mutajalla, um, the 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 woman who's become so old that she's no longer desired in that way. Uh, and on the flip side, you know, if a woman is uh, reading, the man who's become so old uh, that he he's no longer desired in that way. Uh, and uh, with it also is then like the, the same sex attraction as well. Um, then there's no harm in, in looking at that person with, with need. Now, uh, or there's no harm at looking at that person when you talk to them. One of the uh, wisdoms in mentioning this right now is that so that so that people don't get into this like, I don't know, weird, like misogynistic or like awkward um, antagonism to the opposite gender or to some, you know, to the gender of attraction. That women are not evil. I remember myself. I mean, like, you know, I was I was hardcore as a student. Allah forgive me now. Like, I feel, I feel, uh, uh, I feel like perhaps you know things have calmed down since then. Um, although a person moves in their iman through different phases, you know. Uh, so inshallah, uh, uh, you know, but we there was a lot of fervor. I used to hold very close to uh, very close and very hard and fast to what I learned in a way that like was, uh, you know, it characterizes the heat of youth. And so I remember once one of my mother's cousins came to Al Ain where I was studying and uh, my mother mentioned that to me. And uh, I was a young man, unmarried, etc. So I asked my uh, ustad that I read this book from, my sheikh. Uh, I asked him, I said that this woman is coming, uh, but she's not a mahram because she's my mother's cousin. 
So would it be would it be proper for me to visit her, or should I just like you make an excuse and duck out? And the sheikh says, not only is it proper for you to visit her, it's it's her right that you should visit her and you should honor her as if she's your mother. And uh, I don't know, like now after having studied for a while, it seems like duh, like that's obviously the answer. But at the time when someone doesn't tell you, because you don't want to be nonchalant and you don't want to be like flippant about the ahkam and dismiss something that you should be observing when you should be observing it. But like there's a kind of weird, I think I can see if people don't have um, connection with the scholars, with the ulama and the people who can guide them on these things, how they could like, you know, like go so, so hardcore. And then after a while, like that men actually start to resent women. And women start to resent men and like look at them as evil. And it's a type of this happens in Christianity where like there's a type of misogyny um, that, that creeps in. And the Prophet wasn't a misogynist. He loved women. You know, he loved he loved women. He had uh, 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 he loved women in all different contexts. He loved, you know, he loved his uh, his his wives. He loved his mothers. He, he treated his mother with uh, his own mother with love and mentioned her with love and reverence. You know, he treated his mother Halima to Saadiya, his foster mother, with love and reverence. He treated his mother Ayman Barakatul Habashiya, his Abyssinian foster mother, with so much love and 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 uh, you know so much respect. And uh, um, you know, he took care of her needs. He took her seriously. He his he had a sister. He had a foster sister. You know, he treated her well. She's uh, uh, you know Shayma, the daughter of uh, the daughter of Halima to Saadiya. You know. Uh, and the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you know, his daughters, look how, how, how much he loved his daughters and how well he treated them. Look how, how, how beautifully he dealt with the, 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 the ladies of the, uh, the Ansar, how beautifully he dealt with the ladies of the Muhajireen, how beautifully he dealt with the Muslimat, with the women uh, of Islam. You know, uh, he was not a misogynist by any stretch of the imagination, like duck and run. Oh my God, there's a woman, she's going to like destroy me. Now, Obviously, he's the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and everybody has to like play this thing at their level. So if you're like a super hormoned out like 17 year old, then uh, now is not the time for you to like super engross yourself in like whatever, um, being, you know, super friendly with the ladies. Why? Because there's a danger for you at that point. But that's not about them. That's about you. You know what I mean? So don't let it be, you know, that that you make the opposite gender into an, you know, that they're all evil. And some brothers do this and some sisters do this. All men are evil. All women are evil. All men are this. All women are this. How are you going to, this is the complete like the plot of shaitan that if you resent one another, you're just going to destroy uh, the human race. I mean, how are you going to make a family if you think that like the other half of the genome of your progeny is necessarily evil? Uh, and so it's good, you know, like, you know, the mutajalla that there's no harm from from, from her uh, uh, potentially in this in this regard. It's okay, you know, like if it's your mother, it's your mother's friends, you know, um, it's okay, honor them, treat them differently than you would like, you know, uh, 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 the girl from, you know, across the street who makes you feel funny or whatever. Um, the, the, there's a difference, but even the girl from across the street who makes you feel funny, she's a human being, you know what I mean? And that's not her fault, nor is it her problem. So when you're avoiding her uh, in order to spare her from your harm and spare uh, uh, yourself from her harm, or uh, you know, remember that that that's this is this avoidance is not because there's anything wrong with her. Even a person's like, well, she dresses this way and she this and that. okay, fine. Everybody has sins. Maybe she dresses that way uh, for some insecurity that she has or from for some other issue. She doesn't know better. She's not doing it in order to destroy you. Now, uh, uh, that may be a, a side consequence, you know, and so people should also uh, be very careful about how um, how they present uh, to the opposite gender to not be a fitna for that person. Uh, we don't subscribe to this theory in Islam like, well, that's their problem and they should like just lower their gaze and then, you you know, uh, walk around dressed up, done up like a peacock. Um, you know, that's not uh, that's not that's not you should have some consideration, some concern how you appear in, in front of other people. And at the same time, uh, 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 you know, like uh, if a woman or a man, for that matter, dresses a certain way, and then someone, someone uh, does something bad to them or uh, sexually abuses them, um, it's not their fault because nobody deserves to be abused. So there's like so much going on. There's so much false 
uh, 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 I guess, false equivalency and so much like generalization that happens. There's a lot more going on here um, than I think first meets the eye. But the sensibility of the sunnah, at any rate, to make a long story short, is that is that what is that there's that there's nothing evil about a person that you're attracted to you just spare yourself from their harm they spare themselves from yours and the, the dalil is what if somebody becomes older if somebody's in a position where they're no longer a fitna for that you know for that thing then you revert to the default which is to treat them with uh to treat them uh, you know like you would treat anybody else um and he mentions that even a woman who is attractive there's no harm in uh, looking at her uh, for a necessity, a Sharia countenance necessity, and we mentioned some of those things from before, uh, which is uh, which is the, uh, uh, um, <coughs> for example, giving testimony in the court, or something a legal necessity like that, or uh, and that's what he mentions. Uh, he says also it, there's also permission for looking at a girl that you're thinking about marrying. In fact, it's a sunnah to it's a sunnah to look at a girl that you're thinking about marrying. In fact, don't marry a girl that you're not attracted to. Yeah, there's a, a quote that is attributed to Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, and I'm not sure about the veracity of the quote. Maybe if Sheikh Musa listens later or something like that, he can he can uh, um, straighten it out. But I, I read somewhere that said that let a man first see what a woman looks like if he's interested in marriage, and then afterward ask about her deen, because if he if he sees uh, her and she's not attracted, he's not attracted to her and he says no because of that, that's more seemly than if he's asks about her dean and he's pleased with her dean and then he finds out afterward that he's not attracted to her and says no. Um, so uh, that's that. And you know, same sex attraction is a, is a thing that was there in human societies. Uh, some societies suffer from it more than others, um, but it, it's something that we should talk about and deal with as well. Um, because just because a person is attracted to the same gender um, doesn't necessarily mean that that person is even a bad person. Oftentimes these are, um, you know, there's a whole discussion, are people born that way or not? And I don't have a horse in that race. Allah knows best, you know. But what I, what I do know, at least anecdotally, is that a majority of the people who have same-sex attraction, especially for gay men um, that I've anecdotally uh, dealt with, they've been abused as children somehow. And so at any rate, it's involuntary. Uh, it's like this thing that's that's there with them and they, they've been shackled with it because of somebody else's abuse, it's involuntary. So if they suffer from that thing, uh, it in and of itself doesn't mean that they're bad people or evil people or they're going to hell. The sin is acting on it. The sin is not having the attraction, the sin is acting on it. The person resists the attraction, that person will, uh, will be, uh, um, <coughs> that, person, that person will be rewarded more than a person who doesn't have to deal with that fitna. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, there is a difference between, there is a difference between a non-mahram woman who is not like, you know, who's still of like age that, 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 uh, a person would be attracted to her. And then there's a difference between, um, uh, and definitely in that is all non-mahram women who are uh, still like that haven't hit menopause yet. Um, and then, um, there's a difference between that and between like a man who's attracted to other men. Uh, why? Because the ahkam of the sharia, they, they function on certain defaults. And then afterward, in exceptional cases, there are exceptional rules, but the rules are based on, 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 the, on the defaults, on the general, the, 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 the general condition of people. So in that sense, in general, it is haram for a non-mahram man to look at the awrava, non-mahram woman, and uh, vice versa. And then also, uh, it, is, uh, it is not permissible to look at each other uh, for more than what is necessary, and those exceptions we mentioned some of them in the uh, in the book uh, just now. Uh, and so, how do we deal with how do we deal with uh, like same sex attraction then? Um, Hazrat Maulana uh, Hakim al Umma Ashraf Ali Tanwi rahimahullah Taala was actually asked this question from a disciple of his. Um, and look at this, you know, this is his disciple is a uh, a scholar, he uh, teaches Quran to children. And he has this fear inside of him that I don't know, like, you know, I don't know if I'm attracted to, uh, I'm attracted to the, the children or not. I don't know if I'm attracted to the young boys or not. And so he writes to his sheikh to ask, what should I do? You know, because what happens is sometimes people have these thoughts that come to their minds and um, they may actually freak out and run away when they shouldn't run away. 
uh, or they may ignore it and actually do something bad with it. So he's asking his sheikh, he says, I don't know, is this like really a problem for me? Because I've never done anything like this before, but like the thought comes to my mind that what if you have this attraction for this, for the children or whatever, you're getting sent from this. So Hazrat Tanri, he said, he, he, he made a very simple, he made a very simple uh, um, tajweez or uh, 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 solution to this problem, you know, to figure out what should he do. He said, he said that the boys that you teach, if you sit them on your lap and you feel awkward inside when that happens, you feel something sexual move inside of you, you feel some sort of pleasure or something like that. He said that, that, that it's haram for you to teach the children, don't, don't teach them. If you can sit the child on your lap and just play with it, play with it like a little, like, a, you know, you play with the little kid, it's not sexual. Then he said, then this is just a waham, this is just a waswasa that's inside of your head and put it aside and keep going on and teaching. Uh, and uh, uh, that's the 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 benchmark also for a person with a person of you know the opposite with the person of the same gender with the opposite gender the rules are very clear even if you're not attracted to them the rules are still very clear uh, it doesn't really make much of a difference uh, if you're attracted or not because eventually two people two people of the opposite gender and normal disposition if they have enough contact with each other they're able to do what uh, people the opposite gender do when there's enough contact with each other uh, however with the opposite gender it can or with the same gender it can be a little tricky so if you feel that feeling um when you're alone or close or touching uh, a person of the same gender then a person should you know a person knows that this person also to look at them the hukum changes um you know that it becomes haram and to touch them like that becomes haram and to be alone with them you know depending on how intense those feelings are then though you know that be alone with them can become haram all those things can become haram and we're not you know we're not i'm not the person who's gonna start calling people names if this is the condition you suffer from this is a condition you suffer from allah give you patience and protect all of us all of us from the evil of our own nafs everybody has some different desire that they that, that they have that is not conformant with the sharia that they struggle with at some point or another um allah help you with your your struggle but you got to be honest with yourself you got to control yourself if this is the thing that you're suffering from figure it out and then then impose that part of the sharia on yourself in order to uh, uh, you know in order to uh, um, save yourself from it um and then move on you know don't beat yourself up like oh i'm i'm this and that i'm i'm I, you know, I'm defective, I'm bad, and so start calling yourself names and things like that. And, uh, uh, you know, what happens, shaitan likes people to do that. Why? Because it causes them to give up hope and it causes them to then uh, want to give up. And I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, uh, Allah Ta'ala, Alhamdulillah, has spared me from this fitna, but, uh, you know, I know people who suffer from this fitna and they struggle with their own selves and many of them are, uh, you know, they're like the awliya of Allah. I mean, they're people, they go, they do hajj, they read, they they uh, study, they, uh, uh, you know, um, they pray, they do all of these things. And uh, Allah Ta'ala can give such a person a very high rank, you know, uh, a person can, and, you know, like I said, these are exceptional matters. So if a person is confused about these things, I advise that they go and uh, find uh, one of the ulama and take uh, advice from them, someone that they trust uh, and somebody who's learned in the law and also has some sort of modicum of common sense rather than going to the most gung-ho person who's just going to be like, haram, go kill yourself or whatever. Um, it's really bad. I actually, I, I, I get like all kinds of emails and communications. There was a woman who had some issue of a sexual nature, some sin she did, and it was admittedly, it was pretty bad. It was not, it was not good. And she said that I asked a local imam and he said to keep for, to, for me that the only toba is for me to kill myself. Is that true? I said, "There's no, there's no crime or sin in the Sharia that, that 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 the the thing, you know, the the punishment prescribed for it is to kill yourself, um, and uh, um, you know what you did is admittedly bad, but you seem to be cognizant of how bad it is now. So just don't do it again. You know, feel bad about it. Just don't do it again, and stay away from the means to do it again, and just, just let it be done. Um, you know, Allah Taala oftentimes will." Uh, you know, give us these tests, these spiritual and moral tests as a way for us to humble ourselves. You know, don't think you're, you know, don't think that you're cool. Don't think you're all spiritual CD out to the seventh degree. He knows who fears him. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes a couple of sins under the belt makes a person humble uh, instead of being arrogant. 
And uh, that's not to say that it's okay to sin in order to become humble. But if it happened, then just remember those things once, you know, when you when you read your taraweeh and you're feeling all Ramadan high as a kite and judgmental about people, you know, remember remember those sins enough to like put your feet back down on the ground and to feel, feel bad uh, so that you can repent in earnest and sincerity. Allah Ta'ala doesn't need to punish anybody. Allah Ta'ala doesn't want to punish anybody. You know what I mean? He doesn't need to punish anybody and he doesn't want to punish everybody, I should say. And uh, he's the one who he fixed as a commandment uh, over himself um, of mercy. And he's the one who declared that my mercy outstrips my wrath. Uh, and he's our Hamarahimin. He's the most merciful, the merciful. And he's the one who said in his book, Say, Ya Muhammad, alayka salatu wassalam. Oh, my slaves who have, uh, 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 have wronged themselves. Don't ever give up hope in the mercy of Allah. Indeed, he forgives all sins. Indeed, he was always uh, uh, the, the, the forgiving and the merciful. So... See, we have a couple of questions. It looks like you're on the docket. It's a super basic Malik. So we'll get to that at the end. Uh, um, uh, uh, how about cousins? I am a Latino convert and I got a lot of girl cousins. I am still trying to navigate that with my big family. I see a lot of them as sisters. I know they are non-mahram, uh, though in the Sharia. Yeah, so this goes to uh, corroborate a, a theory that I hold, which is like, uh, uh, Latino is just alt desi, or desi is alt Latino, whichever way makes you feel happy. But that's that's the case, you know. That's the case with a lot of us. I suspect that the, the Arabs are like that as well. And uh, um, yeah, you know, um, that's the same thing. Growing up, our, our our female cousins were like sisters to us. And uh, but the Sharia is the Sharia. So obviously, your your first cousin or whatever is not like just some like random woman off the street, okay? So if you talk to her in the sense like, how are you? How is your mother? Do you need anything? You know, you know, can I help you move this and that? Like those things, those are very normal uh, for that context. Um, but it doesn't mean that like you, uh, you compliment her on her hair and like you hang out the two of you alone and you like, you know, like uh, look her up and down. At some point or another, uh, you know, you cross, you cross that line. So just be, you know, and so that has to do with what? It has to do with who that person is, who you are, and what your state is, what their state is. So if they don't observe boundaries with you, you got to protect yourself. If you find yourself not observing boundaries with them, you also have to protect yourself and protect them as well. And, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, if they're, uh, like, you know, live, like, whatever, uh, in Costa Rica and you, like, never met them, you know, ever, you don't have to call them and talk to them on the phone every day. But, you know, if they're your neighbors and like you go to their house all the time and whatever, there's a certain modicum of interaction that is customary. Uh, if you are free from harm from it, that's fine. But under no circumstance are you allowed to like look at them more than is necessary in order to keep your familial relations. Under no circumstance are you allowed to look at their aura. Under no circumstance if you enjoy and get some sort of pleasure out of looking at them. And that doesn't, you know, when we say sexual pleasure, that doesn't just mean like, you know, in the grossest sense of the word. But, uh, uh, you know, even just like there's a type of lutf and a type of, uh, uh, you know, uh, a type of enjoyment a person has in seeing someone who's beautiful. That's not going to necessarily like result in, you know, something, something further along in the process. Uh, it's not going to result in like whatever an erection or so you know something like that. It's not going to result in those things. But that look for itself, a person should uh, hold themselves back from it. And you know, the 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 you know your girl cousins may laugh at you and mock it, mock you for like looking away or looking down or whatever. But uh, you know, most women most women will respect you for that because they're accustomed to a lifetime worth of men, basically. You know, trying to offer them, uh, trying to offer them uh, um, 
uh, intimate relations uh, in many different ways. So they'll respect the fact that you respect them. If they don't, I don't know what to do. I mean, at some point, you shouldn't go around out of your way to offend people. But at the same time, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy. And making people happy is not a reason to destroy yourself. So you got to navigate that, like all of us do. Uh, um, Mahmoud Sarkar asks, how do we handle boundaries in terms of employment? Employment is a necessity. So uh, you just interact with uh, with you know the, the people of opposite gender at your employment, uh, uh, as long as uh, uh, as long as uh, um, you know as long as it's what what's needed for your employment, and you don't fear crossing any boundary with anybody. Um, that much is that much is forgiven, inshallah. A random YouTuber asks how to avoid shaking the hands of older female cousins without being scolded by the family. Uh, first of all, there's a precept in the Sharia: There is no, um, there is no allowance for obedience, obedience or obeying the the, the creation uh, uh, in the disobedience of the Creator. So, uh, you know, if you're grown, if you're grown adult, you know, as we say in the, uh, you know. In the millennial uh, uh, young people, youngster uh, language, you're a grown ass man. Um, then what your family says and what they don't say, um, you know, you should have a thick skin with regard to it. If they, you know, if they scold you for not eating pork, uh, then you still don't eat pork. And if they scold you, you know, because something like that is haram. To touch the skin of a non-mahram woman is 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 an enormity, and uh, it's just inviting halak. It's inviting destruction on a person. It's not a good thing. It's not only is it haram, but there, there's like a gross violation and clear violation of, uh, 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 you know, of of, of this, uh, um, you know, this precept of keeping keeping separation between the genders. So, you know, like other things, it's important not to escalate things unnecessarily. So you can be polite. You can explain politely. If afterward people don't understand and they don't want to. Uh, they don't want to understand it. They don't want to accept the deen. We're not gonna. We're not gonna kill ourselves or or destroy our deen uh, just in order to satisfy you know the ignorant expectations of ignorant people. Even most American non-Muslims, you know, at some point or another, they respect the fact that you have your religion and you believe what you believe. And if uh, if you know people who don't care about the deen, even if they're our relatives, they they can't have that much um, respect for us. Then the Sharia even allows you to avoid them to some degree. In order to in order to protect your dean, but uh, you don't have to. You know, you know. There's oftentimes with all these things, people look at them through like a legalistic lens. There's a way of circumnavigating a lot of these problems, uh, but that's more of an art and less of a science. It's not the subject of it is less fiqh, and uh, uh, and it's just more like the school of being alive. That's why it's 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 fun to hang out with people who have like large families because they oftentimes get really really they're really adept at dealing with different types of people and dealing with human beings my goodness is is uh, is a lifelong struggle and uh, allah allah protect us this is one of the duas of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam allahumma inni uh, he said that I, I, I seek refuge in you from um, the, 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 the destructive grief about what happened in the past that like destroys my today and uh, uh, sorry the, uh, the, sorry the destructive the destructive fear of tomorrow that destroys my today and the destructive grief uh, 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 for, about what happened yesterday that destroys my today. Um, uh, and I, I seek refuge in you from from uh, in, incompetence, I just inability to do the things I need to get done in my life. Well, uh, uh, and from from the laziness that that you know that that, that prevents me from doing what I need to do. Uh, uh, and now, I, and I seek refuge from you, <coughs> sorry, in you from uh, uh, cowardice and from uh, uh, miserliness. That prevents me from spending on those things that I need to spend on. Uh, and I, I seek refuge in you from being so in debt that it bends me under its pressure. And that every any that, that other human beings should ever have the upper hand on over me, or that they should like control me, or that they should uh, uh, like overwhelm me, and I just be like their prisoner, you know. Uh, 
um, and, and we should make these du'as. You know, sometimes dealing with human beings is really difficult. Always ask Allah for help, and in general, uh, uh, you know, conflict is a tool in uh, in a person's uh, toolkit for dealing with other human beings. But its avoidance uh, is generally the path of least resistance, and uh, uh, you know, uh, avoiding people is better than getting into conflict with them, and, uh, and and trying to understand where they're coming from and trying to assuage, you know, their uh, fears or their issues is better than avoiding them. And by use of uh, Ruben Batista says, "Alhamdulillah for big families, really it is a blessing. Really, it is a blessing, and uh, you know." That's, you know, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who were the, his biggest haters? They're all his relatives, right? Abu Jahl, it's his uncle. He's a hater. Abu Lahab was his father's brother, and he was a complete hater. He was he was a total hater. Literally, he was such a hater. Banu Hashim, all of Banu Hashim, the Muslims amongst them, and the people who hadn't accepted Islam yet, they all disowned him because, because of how much of a hater he was. Um, he actually sided against his own family just because he hated the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so much, you know? Abu Talib, he wasn't a hater. He loved the Prophet Sallallahu He still didn't accept the deen, though. You know, you see how all these subtleties, nuances. The Prophet Sallallahu had to deal with all of them, and that was jahiliyyah, You know, so uh, you know, by uh, Ruben, you know, you and and like all of us, you know, be charming. You know, make wear dress nicely, wear good clothes. Uh, uh, you know, give out the best presents. Uh, you know, when it's time when it's time for Eid or when it's time to do so. You know speak well uh, uh you know do good by people be a good guy you know um inshallah maybe maybe some of those people who are on the fence will join you and maybe the ones who hate you the most one day when they flip they'll flip the hardest and you'll see those cats at the masjid you know like yelling at everybody else why aren't you praying and you're like man this dude gave me the hardest time when I, when i just accepted islam anyhow we're 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 uh wandering away from fiqh and into oprah winfrey territory here so we're gonna we're gonna we're going to uh, reel it back in here uh, a little bit. Uh, so he says, yeah, uh, uh, it's, <coughs> there's some dispensation for, uh, uh, there's some dispensation for uh, looking at a woman for the purposes of marriage. And that's in hijab. That a man can look at the face of a woman in the hands. You have all of these, uh, you know, crank, uh, fatwas, uh, uh, you know, rolling around saying that you see the entire body of a woman naked if you intend on marrying her, and uh, you know, um, though that that opinion is 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 it seems like real uh, intellectual until the person who's giving it to us say, okay, let me see your daughter. I'm interested in marrying her. Let me send her some some pics of me, and then it becomes personal, and people, how dare you, this and that, and blah blah blah. The reason is what's good for the goose is good for the gander. The reason that that fiqh doesn't work is that if you're offended by the idea then it's like it should be intuitive to you why that's not that's not that it doesn't work that way um and uh this leads us to a a, a small segment uh, uh you know i try generally try to avoid mentioning people like this because they're um they're the beast only grows stronger uh, by giving more attention so that's why we'll bury it in the middle of the the dars that the two-eyed dajjal from birmingham uh, an individual who I actually personally have no problem with. He's actually kind of a fun guy to hang out with as a human being. But for whatever reason, when the camera turns on, he has this weird need uh, to uh, say the dumbest of things in order to get attention, which is fine. You should have been a comedian instead of going to madrasa. Uh, or you could have been a comedian despite going to madrasa, but don't make the dean into your mockery. But he just says the kufriest of things in order to elevate himself higher and higher in his uh, uh, you know his addiction to attention Allah protect us Allah give us from his attention the attention that we don't need the attention of the creation afterward uh, and so you know he had another uh, uh, he had another uh, video uh, legions of people sent it to me in which he basically badmouthed me he lied and said that uh, I had said something in a certain place I challenged him as a show proof that I ever said that I never said that he lied and said that uh, I, I told them that uh, you know the Maliki Madhab that the Nikah is a certain way, even though it's another way. And he's showing how incompetent I was, even though I taught not only the Maliki, I taught, I've been teaching the Risala of Ibn Abi Zaid for years. I even taught the Mulvis, the Hanafi Mulvis, and Dar al Qasim. All of them are upright witnesses. They can tell you that I taught that Masala and the other Masail uh, correct and directly out of this book that we're reading from. I ignored it. I didn't mention it, uh, and I don't. I don't need to mention it. 
But now, uh, mashallah, he's even stopped calling himself a Maliki. It was obvious for years that he's not a Maliki. So he even stopped calling himself a Maliki. He just goes by Abu Layth now. Um, and so he just, he, apparently today he put out a video in which uh, he mocked he mocked me for reading Sahih Bukhari for the lifting of the calamity of the coronavirus. And my, uh, um, look, First of all, you're attributing such a big act to me. Who am I? I only read three kitabs. I read the Kitab Zabayah uh, and the Kitab Sayyid, and I read the uh, um, uh, the Kitab Kitab Al Ihsar for the person who is obstructed from making it to uh, the Masjid Al Haram. It's three chapters, and there's so many, like you know, dozens of Kutub of Bukhari. And the idea wasn't even mine, it was of our elder, Zutmulana uh, Sheikh Amin Kulwadiya, who, uh, who's the principal of Dar Qasim, who's series on the Risal Qushayriya and Dar Qasim's uh, uh, YouTube page is really awesome and you should, you should listen to it. So it was his idea and he attributed it to me. Who am I to receive this honor? And everybody, all the ulama from our Chicago read it, but he attributed the reading to me. Who am I to deserve this honor, mashallah? And he mocked Sahih Bukhari, mocked Sahih Bukhari, even though he knows that Allah Ta'ala, his, his own books is that the Nabi doesn't speak from vain desire, rather everything he says is a revelation that's revealed to him to the point where the ulama have considered the speech of the Prophet to be that it is the there's two types of revelation the revelation which is recited which is the quran the revelation that's not recited which is the uh, uh hadith even though he knows that the quran itself says that whatever the rasul gives you take it and whatever the rasul forbids you from abstain from it and fear allah ta'ala and know that allah ta'ala is indeed severe in his torment and severe in his chastisement he knows all of that, but he's just going to make a mockery of the Sahih Bukhari, even if you don't believe that all of its hadiths are Sahih, which is a very uh, crank position uh, uh, to take amongst the muhaddithin. Uh, but uh, uh, at least some of the hadiths in it are Sahih, but he goes on and mocks the book. And then he falsely accuses me of saying that this is how we're going to solve coronavirus. Look, how are you going to solve coronavirus? The doctors are going to work on a vaccine. You're going to do social distancing. You're not going to sneeze and wipe it on people. And when they sneeze, you're not going to let them wipe you. You're going to do all of those things. I never said that reading Sahih Bukhari is the only way, uh, 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 you know, the only way that a person is going to uh, uh, is going to uh, ward off calamity. But at the same time, the maqal of the Prophet وسلم, is a type of wahi and it has its own barakah. And as much as crank muftis, may or may not like it, right? Muhammad Rasulullah is part of our, our shahada and there's a barakah that comes with it. And that knowledge is preserved through reading these books. And uh, he quoted that the Mongols, when they invaded the ulama, read Sahih Bukhari and look, they all got killed. No, actually they didn't all get killed. Actually a number of places were defended and actually what happens to all the Mongols? Of the four great factions of the Mongols, right? The Ilkhanate, which is in Iran, the Golden Horde, which is, uh, 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 you know, uh, closer to Russia, uh, um, you know, uh, and, uh, the, you know, of the different factions of the Mongols, three out of four of them actually end up becoming Muslim. And the fourth one, which is the Khanate of Kublai Khan in, in, in China, they're the ones that bring the greatest cultural influence of Islam into China. Uh, and many of the Hui Muslims actually come into China through them, and many of the, the deep, lasting impacts of Islam and the Muslims on China come through them to what? To, uh, through, through the Mongols. So, you know, mock it all you want, laugh it up, inshallah. I never said, I never said that reading Sahih Bukhari is like the only thing to uh, solve coronavirus. Rather, do all these all the other things, but don't forget the fact that the madad comes to this. Ummah from the higher realm through the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala and, and, and through the ittiba'ah, the following of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in his worship, in his speech, in his noble states, uh, in his outward and inward uh, uh, form, uh, as much as we can conform to it, uh, that's how much we will, we will benefit. So, uh, yes.
you know, these are the type of crank muftis that will give you uh, uh, these opinions that you can look at the entire naked body of a woman if you're interested in marrying her. But, uh, you know, uh, try try that with their daughters and they'll, at least they have enough fitra to freak out about it. You know, God protect us if any of them is like, okay, um, and God protect their daughters as well. Allah Ta'ala protect the ummah from the the you know once a person you know the hadith of the process and if you don't have it if you don't have any haya if you don't have any um uh, any shame or any uh, modesty or any shyness then then uh, um <coughs> then do whatever you want because there's really nothing left for you uh in 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 your aql in your in your in your aql or in your uh in your deen or in your in your heart والعياذ بالله ومن الفرائض صون اللسان عن الكذب والزور والفحشاء والغيبة والنميمة والباطل كله from from the فرائض from the obligations also is to protect the tongue to to guard the tongue from what from speaking a lie, uh, from bearing false witness, from okay, so a lie is obviously saying something that's not true. Uh, 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 um, uh, bearing false witnesses, an even worse kind of lie, because the difference between like a witness and just a statement is that when you bear witness, it's a statement that's in a particular context, in the context that has to do with someone's rights. So if you lie at that occasion, then someone's rights will be taken away. If you just tell somebody, hey, you know, two plus two equals seven, um, that's bad enough. Uh, but like if you go to a court and say, yeah, I saw this person break the other person's window and the court imposes a punishment of, on them, it's not only the lie, but you also then uh, wrongfully destroy somebody else's right. Uh, um, and so uh, that's what that's what zur is. And fahsha is uh, indecency. Now, fahsha in in um, in uh, um, in a person's deeds is uh, indecency in deeds is what is um, things of like sexual nature, things that are illicit of a sexual nature, sexual perversion or zina or uh, some some sort of indecency of a of a sexual nature. That's what what a fahish amal fahish is. Fahsha in in a person's speech is what. Fahsha in a person's speech is uh, just to be excessive, to curse or to just use excessive language. Uh, I swear to God, for everything, you know, like, you know, Wallah, la ilaha illahu, and kada, just for everything, for, for no reason. You know, this is the dumbest person in the world, you're so stupid. And just being excessive in your speech all the time, uh, we're, 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 uh, we're forbidden from that. Wal ghiba, to speak uh, about uh, your brother, <coughs> the thing that they wouldn't like. One namima to tail bear, um, to tail bear, uh, meaning to tell people about each other's faults. Um, there's a really beautiful story Portubi mentions uh, about Banu Israel that say the Musa um, that uh, the sacrifice of the qom and the duas of the qom weren't being being accepted, and uh, Allah Taala. Uh, um, Allah Ta'ala, Sayyidina Musa asked, asked why, why isn't it being accepted? And he said that fikum namam, there's a person who's a tail bearer. He's just going around from one person to another spreading, uh, you know, telling people bad things about each other. And uh, um, Sayyidina Musa came back and gathered Banu Israel and basically exhorted them, made a wa'ad uh, sermon basically about how bad tail bearing is and how you have to repent. And because of this, Allah is not accepting from us, etc. And uh, um, still, uh, Allah wasn't accepting from them their sacrifices. So Allah, Sayyidina Musa salam, asked Allah, says, Ya Allah, tell me who is this namam will take, take him out of Banu Israel and punish him. And Allah said to Sayyidina Musa, how can I make saying bad things about others haram on you and then you want me to then say something bad about this person? I'm not going to tell you who it is. And Sayyidina Musa salam, then uh, told this, that this is what Allah told him. Uh, to the whole Banu Israel, and then that person was so moved uh, uh, by that that they repented and Allah accepted from them. Now, this may be ironic because I just took the what, like our UK uh, uh, friends, is anyone here from the UK? 
right? He just took the mick out of uh, the two-eyed Dajjal of Birmingham. Uh, Allah Ta'ala guide him to something better. Like I said, I have no personal beef with him. Actually, as like a human to human, like when we sit and drink chai, uh, he's like a fun guy to hang out with. I just don't know why when he gets in front of the camera, he says all these things about Dean. There are certain, just like there are certain Sharia countenance uh, exceptions to looking at the aura of a non-mahram, just like that, there are certain Sharia, Sharia countenance exceptions to the hurma and the, the uh, 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 prohibition of, of backbiting and tailbearing. And uh, when somebody as a position of a scholar is saying something wrong about the deen, it is the duty of the, uh, of the ulama to uh, make rad on them, to refute them. Uh, and like I said, uh, this man, if he didn't deny the uh, recoming of Sayyidina Isa Islam and many thawabit and qawati and deen uh, that are necessarily known, I wouldn't have mentioned it. And if it wasn't that he was mocking Sahih Bukhari or if it wasn't that he was misrepresenting things that I said, um, I wouldn't have mentioned it. In fact, a lot of his weird fiqh opinions, I never used to say anything about them. It's just when he started saying things in Aqidah that were kufr, I couldn't really, like, it's at that point, then the Sharia doesn't allow me to stay silent about it. Um, otherwise, Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala give all of us, you know, uh, tawbah and give us tawfiq to make tawbah. I undoubtedly have many shortcomings and faults. Allah rectify them as well for me. Forgive all of us and Allah Ta'ala uh, rectify all of our shortcomings. And anyway, so Allah Ta'ala also made it haram that it's haram a person has to guard their tongue from batil, from speaking just plain falsehood. And batil from it has to do with has to do with also you know spreading batil ideologies. There are people like there's a, 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 a woman, unfortunately, I think I, I think she's probably just flown the coop. Uh, I have a hard time anyone could like credibly believe these things. But there was a woman professor by the name of Amina Wadud who, um, you know, Billah called Sayyidina Ibrahim السلام, a deadbeat dad for leaving Sayyidina Ismail and Sayyidina Hajar in, in Mecca. Well, guess what? Uh, Allah Allah elevated them to a rank through that which they wouldn't have reached uh, had the, they fit her idea of like how what she should what what they should do and how they should be as a family. Say the Hajar alayhi salam and say the Ismail alayhi salam are actually buried inside by tradition. They're buried inside the Hijr, uh, the semicircular wall that uh, is adjoined to the the current building of the Kaaba, which is also inside of the Kaaba. They're actually literally buried inside of the Kaaba. If a person can imagine that their arwah are connected to that place and they're they're nourished by the barakat, the shower on the earth in that place, the 120 mercies of Allah Ta'ala shower on that place. They're literally bathing in the, the mercy and barakah of Allah Ta'ala. And so, but this woman gave her batil opinion. Allah Ta'ala, you know, ordered that the tongue be uh, protected from that, that you're not allowed to talk about that. Well, all of battle is haram to speak on the tongue. Uh, uh, um, and these are two very great usul of the deen. If you look, if you want to be an alim, you want to be a faqih in the sense that the salaf understood, it doesn't necessitate memorizing large volumes of information rather it necessitates understanding the reality of things then after you understand the reality of things the usul that that, that govern the universe then large amounts of information actually allow you to have a more high-res picture you know just like this uh, YouTube stream is like a high-res 720 uh, uh, P uh, uh, stream What's the point of having a 1080p stream and it's all just 1080 of static? The usul is what allows you to see the big picture and then the information is the resolution of those data points. And so if you want to be a faqih, if you want to be an alim, these are the big picture things you have to remember. He brings two hadiths and it's really deep. This is one of the reasons I love this book is that these are things that even a person who doesn't have the like lifetime of study that they can put in, they can, you know, if you can't memorize 100,000 hadiths with the text in the chain of narration, memorize these two hadiths and see how it, it puts a lot of pieces of the puzzle into place. 
One is whoever believes in Allah and in the last day, let them say something good or let them stay silent. Whoever believes in Allah, let them say something good or let them stay silent. Now, uh, this is, uh, you know, you know, how come I can't, if it's not haram, why can't I just say, no, let them say something good that's benefit or let them stay silent. And why is that? It's because the next hadith he's going to read, which is min husn islam imr'in or min husn islam al-mar'i tarkuhu ma la ya'nihi from the beauty of the Islam of a person, right? It may not be haram, it may not be a sin, but if you want to have husn, if you want to have ihsan in your deen, if you want to be a beautiful Muslim, you want to be beautiful in front of the Lord and the one who's beautiful in front of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala makes that person beautiful too. Those creation, those from the creation that have beauty themselves and those from the creation that have connection with him, Allah will make them beautiful in this world and make them beautiful on the day they die and make them beautiful the day they're, right, they're resurrected and beautiful in Jannah forever and ever. You see all these people, mashallah, uh, uh, Bahai Sharjil and Bahai Nabil and Ruben Batista, all inshallah by Allah's father and whoever, all Bilal Khan, all these people, you know, whether I take your name or don't, who cares? Allah Ta'ala, as long as he takes your name and that list, that's what matters, right? Uh, if he, your name is not taken by Hamza, who, who cares? As long as it's taken by Allah Ta'ala. Those people who Allah Ta'ala makes beautiful on that day and completes and perfects their nur on that day, those people will be beautiful forever. If you want to be beautiful in your Islam, how, how do you achieve that? Min husna Islam imri'in. The 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 husn, the beauty of the Islam of a person is what tarkuhu yanihi. Leave those things that don't concern you. You were created to be the beloved of Allah. You were created to love Allah and to be His beloved. You were created to be uh, uh, consumed and subsumed and elided, uh, like the uh, like the kasra before alif lam. Is elided into the alif lam, like the 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 tanween uh, before a ra or before a meme becomes mudram into the ra and the meme that comes after. You were created to be consumed into into what into the the ishq and the love of Allah Taala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So who cares what someone is squawking and you know who cares what the 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 the, the orange headed demon is saying who cares what you know uh, uh you know the clown of qadian is saying who cares what master fraud is uh you know uh, uh saying or his his jajalic uh, uh emissary is saying who cares about any of those things at some point or another allah commands us to say something about them we say it otherwise they don't consume our hearts when we're done we're done who cares about any of those things the beauty if you want to be beautiful in front of the lord leave the things that don't concern you and the corollary to that is that you should make yourself busy with those things that do. So Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq of making uh, uh, amal um, on those two hadiths. Really, uh, uh, if you can do that, uh, uh, then all these long-winded hour-long lessons on YouTube and things like that, there's no real, you know, a lot of the need for those things go away. At most, if the lessons are executed properly and executed well, it's like a bonus round. But you, you know, these there's enough of a balagh, there's enough uh, um, provision in, in these couple of uh, pieces of prophetic wisdom uh, that we read in Bukhari, by the way. Um, there's enough of it that it can get you to your, your maqam. Uh, Ibn Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar, Hafiz al Maghrib, Allah Ta'ala have mercy on him. Uh, uh, the Qurtuban, uh, uh, Hafiz of Hadith. Um, who was actually, by the way, the the, the Qadi of, of Lisbon at one time, uh, which makes me love Lisbon, uh, even though I never really stopped at the airport once, I guess, but I never went into the city. But when I think Ibn Abdul Bar was Qadi here, I'm like, this place, there must be some Baraka in that place still from that. Um, uh, but uh, Ibn Abdul Bar said, Man talab al-ilma lillahi faqalilun yakfihi wa man talab al-ilmi lil-nasi fahawa'ijun nasi kathira Whoever seeks knowledge for the sake of Allah, uh, then a little bit will be enough for them. It's these couple of hadiths that we mentioned, Ibn Abi Zayd is a connoisseur. He picks, he picks the narrations and puts them in the place that they're needed in order for a person to get you know, the maximum uh, ilmi benefit. Whoever seeks uh, uh, knowledge for the sake of Allah, then a little bit of knowledge will be enough for them. And whoever seeks knowledge then to be able to answer people's questions, then people have a lot of needs. So you'll keep studying and they'll keep coming up with crazier and crazier questions as the days go by. Uh, Allah Ta'ala, uh, uh, Allah Ta'ala, give us what we need. 
um, uh, from this sacred knowledge and from this nur and from this tawfiq and from this himma and courage and from this stamina and from this energy and from this protection, uh, what we need in order to get through this life um, uh, in such a way that we die with la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam on our lips and inside of our hearts uh, and so that he can take us in a beautiful way and uh, give us a maqam with his awliya forever and ever in Jannah uh, and that we pass from this world loving him and that uh, more important than that that he loves us wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salaman ala al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen اللهم ربنا تقبل منا سماعنا هذا الدرس وكلامنا وفر لنا ما ما تجاوز عن حدودك منه ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى به واختم لنا بالحسنى وارفع بأيدينا راية الإسلام بركة الفاتحة Apologize. Just before jumping off, I remember there was a question I said I would answer uh, at the end uh, by jo uh, Ruben Joseph Batista um, uh, uh, asked super basic Maliki fit question. I know that the basmala is makruh in the salah, but what is the status of amin for the musalli? Uh, is it part of the fatiha? Is it fard or sunnah mu'akkada? The mu'akkada is with the calf, not with the qaf, by the way. Jazakallah khair wa iyana wa yakum. So saying ameen is not part of the fatiha. However, it's one of the adab of reciting the fatiha. And so if you are praying alone, you will say the fatiha and you will say ameen. And if you're the imam, you'll say the fatiha and you will not say ameen. And if you're the follower, you will, uh, uh, you will not say the fatiha. Um, but you will say, if you're the follower uh, in a loud prayer, I should say, you will not say the Fatiha, but you will say Amin. But you will in no case say the Amin out loud. You just you just move your lips and your tongue. You don't say it out loud in the Salat. Um, and if you're praying alone or if you're praying in a quiet prayer, then you'll, you'll, you'll read both. Uh, and Allah knows best. Barakallah feekum. Wassalam.